Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. I've had several cups of coffee and a green tea <laughs> on my way back from Ryder Coffee this morning. Fun conversation with people. We were talking a lot. It was um, Today was me and Emily Ma and Jim Sorensen. We were talking a lot about author events and how to make them more attractive to readers. What readers want. Oh, I guess I should say that today is Thursday, January 30th. I kept a quote for a very long time. Um, it was back in the days where you would clip quotes. <laughs> and so I had it on a piece of paper that I had taped up or put up on a bulletin board and kept it for a while. I'm not sure where it's gone now, but it was um, Kurt Cobain and on being told that people don't really attend author events. Uh, and of course, I'm paraphrasing from long ago, but he had said, well, you know, of course people would love to come hear authors, you know, you get your mosh pit and all of that. And it was a clear disconnect where he just didn't really understand <laughs> the difference between events. But it is an interesting thing that going to a concert is an experiential thing that creates an emotional high in a way that going to an author event does not. And why is that? You know, because I will be the first to admit that I rarely enjoy readings. Um, I am usually waiting for the person to stop reading. <laughs> And I know that that is terrible, and I'm keenly aware of that as a reader when I'm reading. I tend to keep them very short because I always think people are getting bored. And I know that's partly me. I know other people like being read to uh, much more than, than I do. But um, if it's a very good reader, then, then it's easier. <laughs> um, unfortunately many authors are not trained to be good performers. You know, the, all of the art is in the writing and not in the um, live presentation of the work. So it's an interesting question of, you know, like who we're talking about, who do you try to get to come to an author event? Uh, is, you know, because ideally you want readers to come. You want the readers to come and read the books, right? Um, and buy the books. But very often the people who come to author events are writers. And I tend to be the one saying, you know, that the events I enjoy the most are when the person talks about how the book was written and their process and their career path and their experience as an author, um, which I suppose is <laughs> the core of this particular podcast, right? That's what I'm doing here in this podcast. And people will argue with me and say, no, that's talking to the writers, not to the readers. And I do know those of you who are readers and listen to this podcast, and of course we're talking about a, um, a very curated sample, right? Because you're already listening. But I know that 
readers enjoy hearing about the mechanics behind the books and enjoy hearing about the author's life even if they have no plans to be a writer themselves and as we know all writers start out as readers or they should um, if they don't we snub them they should never admit it in public <laughs> so I would be interested um, if any of you care to send feedback on like what makes a really great author event I know some of it is having been part of events with um, people like Dorinda or some other uh, bigger name authors that some of it is the fandom I know that people enjoy going to be with other people who are excited about being there and meeting the person that there's a, a joy to meeting a favorite author um, I've certainly been that kitty cat myself and if and that's not something that can be um, fabricated it's it's either there or it's not so one thing we were talking about with how to improve events you know it's like pairing bigger names with smaller names the juggle there is that um, the smaller name authors inevitably <laughs> are far more ignored you, you can glean some off of the comet's tail and if you're smart you just enjoy whatever um, cosmic dust you get to extend the analogy but it can also be lowering if I was talking with someone the other day um, who was it I can't remember it doesn't matter but was talking about like one of his very first signings was sitting next to an incredibly famous author and how you know like their line he had no one at his table and the other authors had you know the line out the door and I think that there are ways to balance that I think that the person managing the event needs to find ways to involve all of the authors you know that you're growing the crowd off of the famous one but then you find ways to really point up and highlight the lesser known author and get people to pay attention to their books too so I'm thinking about all of these ideas and I would like to know um, you know like what what you all whether as a reader author or as solely as a reader what it is that you hope to get out of author events what's the best one you've ever been to and what what makes it fun what creates that sense of the mosh pit <laughs> right what a funny image god bless Kurt Cobain I would like to try to find that quote again I should see if I can unfortunately as I mentioned before you know that's sort of this thing with the conversion of information to the internet <coughs> excuse me you're a little scratchy in my throat it was kind of loud in the coffee shop and I ended up pitching my voice <sighs> drink some water here over the noise you know and it's it's I think that's what creates conference voice a lot of times I think I end up straining because I'm not doing a good job of speaking over the background noise okay you guys <laughs> yeah.
don't you love it when you're like behind two cars that start up very very slowly from the light and they're like absolutely in tandem so you know that there's no chance he'll ever be able to pass them I think sometimes people do it on purpose I dated a guy who would do that on purpose so I know that that actually happens he would if he had someone he thought was being too impatient or following too closely he would like pull up next to the car next to him it was you Kev I know you're listening remember how you would do that you would like parallel the person on the highway who was going very slowly just to torment the person behind you I think it's one of those things you only do when you're young then you pay for it later because then you realize that how obnoxious that truly is I don't know unless you still do it maybe you still do it I would be interested to know So, you know, because there's the other aspect to author events is that people come simply to be supportive, which is a great thing, but I think it's not an ideal situation. You don't necessarily want people um, who are in it only to get something back or they're not in it because they enjoy it. They just are there because it's a community responsibility. I don't know, maybe it's sometimes it's fun to be supportive of authors. That would be an interesting thing to know, too. It's a feel-good thing. Certainly there is the aspect of getting books signed. Well, anywho, I sort of bounced around topics there. I am deep into page proofs of The Fiery Crown. Uh, look. I would say I'm halfway done. I think page-wise, I'm only on like 45% through, but I'm really gaining momentum. So it feels like I'm more than halfway. But definitely um, taking a lot of concentration and a lot of creative energy because I'm really dreaming up the next book as well, making a lot of notes on that. I was hoping... Yeah, I think originally I was planning I would maybe start on The Promised Queen today, but it looks like it'll be Monday. Um, and of course, that's pending arrival of edits for Fate of the Tala. Still waiting on those. I think since um, Rebecca has not sent them yet, that they will come. Uh, she'll probably take this weekend too. So I'll probably get them Sunday and we can get the book out next week sometime. Can we have a woohoo? <laughs> I know, I, I really feel like I've been stringing you guys along with it on, on this one, and I do apologize for that. It's um, just been one of those things that's going to come out when it's going to come out. I did get um, an email back from one of the reviewers who said she loved it. And she's so funny because she said, well, of course I loved it. And it's like, there is no of course. I was really worried about this book. Um but she really did love it. And she sent me a bunch of interview questions about it. So we'll get those filled out for her. And really, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I've been doing and thinking about. I did have a note and I'm, I'm actually doing this from memory. You guys should be impressed. Uh, from watching Soundtrack, I think I'm up to like episode seven, something like that. But there was 
One of the things that Leslie Penelope had said about it early on, and I agreed, I don't know if I've ever mentioned it, but there is a lot of interesting stuff in there about art and why you do it. Um, the push and pull between doing it for yourself and doing it for other people. And there is a great scene between the younger woman, Nellie, who has been writing a graphic novel, writing and drawing a graphic novel, and her mother, Margot, who is an actress, a famous Hollywood actress. And Nellie has had a contentious, difficult relationship, very close relationship with her mother, but also fairly contentious. And there's this great moment where Nellie actually asks her mom for advice. And this is not something that happens often. It's really been a case where her mother tries to impose her advice on Nellie and Nellie resists taking it, which is, you know, classic mother-daughter relationship, right? But Nellie asks her how asks her mother how she tunes out the voices. What do you do with all of the people having opinions on your art and what you're doing with it? And Margot says that everybody gets the voices, that everybody gets the voices in their heads. And, and I've talked about this with writing, too, you know, talking about kicking people out of the room. And I think it is important to remember that absolutely everybody gets that um, barrage of opinions on their art and what they're producing. And Margot says, the trick is learning to dial down the volume. And she said, it for everybody, it comes in at like a level six. And some people dial up the volume internally until that's all they can hear. And other people get really good at dialing down the volume. And I thought that was a very interesting metaphor and a useful metaphor. It's, um, I think, akin to my kicking people out of the room, and yet in some ways is more useful because in our lives, we very rarely actually kick anybody out of the room, right? Um, with people we are close to and have a lot of trust, we trust between we might be able to say okay I'm going to work now you need to leave and even then it can be slightly uncomfortable depending but we all have the experience of dialing down the volume of something some of my um, peers have been passing around a meme lately it's a joke about turning down the volume on the car stereo in order to see the street signs better and it is, it's a funny joke, but I think people don't realize that that's, that's actually a very real neurological thing, right? I mean, we might joke about the fact that turning down the car stereo does not enable our eyes to focus at a distance better, but what it does do is it enables us to concentrate better. It enables us to focus our mental energy on perceiving a thing because remember so much of our 
sensory perceptions is simply taking the input that hits our senses and then our brains interpret it. So looking at something is partly the edge detectors in our eyes, picking out the edges of that distinguishment between the black and the white on the street sign. And it's reporting to us the shapes of those edge detections, maybe filling in some of the color. Is it a red sign? Is it a blue sign? But then our brain pulls it together. Our brain is the one who tells us what it means. So reducing the input from another sense that's unimportant at the time, i.e. turning down the radio, actually does help us comprehend better what the street sign says. And I think that that is a good metaphor to use for all of our lives, right? Uh, instead of thinking about kicking people out of the room, what we do is we dial those voices down. We, maybe we, if you're really good at it, you just hit the mute button, right? And it's equivalent to turning down the car stereo because now you have nice quiet and you can focus all of your mental energy on the thing that you want to focus on. I know that I've talked a number of times about that it would be nice to tune out the voices of the internet. And I do think that there is a considerable aspect to that, you know, of being able to dial down the voices. I saw someone saying about the RWA situation, which is ongoing, Ugh, ongoing. <laughs> There's no solutions yet. Uh, but I saw somebody saying that speaking caustically or tweeting caustically, posting caustically about people using their privilege to stay silent. And while I do think it's important that people with privilege speak out for those who may not have voices that will be heard without it, I think it's also a basic human right to tune out, um, especially if you are a creative. You have got to establish silence. And sometimes establishing silence, tuning out, is the most important thing that we can do. And, you know, there's a Taoist perspective that you don't try to change the world. What you do is you try to change yourself. And if everybody changed themselves, then we would have a changed world, right? So I know that gets fraught, but I have um, really started to wonder if like losing, it's, it has felt to me this way, you know, like losing RWA, something that, oh, damn it. Oh, sorry. It looked like it had stopped recording. I was like, well, you heard me. I was all, damn it. <laughs> um, that losing RWA, if I don't, you know, because I have been structured so much of my life around being part of RWA, it's been very important to me. Um, I've, you know, planned around going to the RWA National Conference. And it occurred to me the other day that, that maybe losing that from my life 
is something that's meant to be, that maybe it's a, been an answer to my both spoken and unspoken wish to, to silence some of the voices and to have a bit of distance from a very loud community. So those are my thoughts for the day. I could say more, but, but I won't because <laughs> I'm home and I should put my eyes on my own work, which is my primary job after all. Uh, I hope that you all have a wonderful Thursday. First Cup of Coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network. You can find more podcasts that you will love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And I will talk to you all tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye.